Hello everyone, it's Takuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. The world is filled with many questions, such as, did giants exist? What is junk DNA? Does it mean that you're trash? Do you ever wonder if aliens have underwater bases in our oceans, and that's why there are so many UFO sightings off the coasts of islands all over the world? How serious even is climate change, and when should we start building our rafts? Hello, everyone. You may recognize me as Gabby from the History of Everything podcast. And my name is Bruna, and you don't recognize me from anything yet. Together, we're two scientists who explore the answers to these questions and many, many more in our new podcast, Mystery of Everything, available everywhere you get your podcasts. It began long ago. Two young boys in an American town riding their bikes to school and Little League practice. Over the years, the boys became fast friends, united in their love for stories where things would go horribly wrong. Pour yourself a strong beverage and buckle up. You're in the shallow end with Schnepley and Toth. It's another episode of The Shallow End. Wait, what? With Schnepley and Toth. I didn't realize we were doing another one. Wow. Yeah, sorry to sorry to wake you up, pal, <laughs> but uh, time to get back to work. Well, if this is work, we're pretty we're pretty fortunate people. Um, <laughs> we're very fortunate people. I was grilling dinner last night and uh just minutes before had read this email from a uh, listener named William and uh, he entitled his email, my skinny dip into the shallow end being, I believe the first listener to actually use the term that we agreed we would, uh, we, we thought was really smart for these things called skinny dips. And uh, as always, the email address is lifeguard at shallowendpodcast.com. So William writes, hi, guys and ladies, greetings from South Mississippi. I emailed this instead of recording it because I sound like cornbread and I ate it. (laughs) I've never heard that term. I've shared a story with Box. I'm the guy who had a personal connection to the Bobby Dunbar story. Oh, yeah. So So I thought I'd share my skinny dip to have a good podcast symmetry. Bobby Dunbar, he was uh, a kid that was uh, kidnapped like about 100 years ago or something like that in um, very strange and unusual circumstances. Oh, I thought you were going to say what it was. No. Okay. No, you got to listen to Box of Oddities. So. <laughs> so William goes on to say, when I was younger, my cousin and I did some stupid things because we were bored. Like we made a potato gun. Now, if you're not aware, a potato gun's a length of PVC pipe with a cap on one end that has a wick through it. Spray some hairspray on the inside of the cap, screw it onto the end of the pipe, light it up, and watch that potato shoot far. Our gun, though, was on wheels and big (laughs) enough to shoot cantaloupes. Fun! I actually had some friends who loved making spud guns, and I would watch them after work. Uh, I would go over and, and have a martini and watch these guys fire off their spud gun so i can just imagine if you've come up with something bigger than that that's that's big enough to shoot cantaloupes 
I mean, yeah. Deadly produce projectiles. <laughs> DPPs, we call mm-hmm. them. So William says, but I digress. The story I wanted to tell is this. I was 12 or 13. My cousin was a year older. We were bored. Just after July 4th, we had a huge surplus of fireworks. So we decided to make a sparkler bomb. We bundled a couple of packs of sparklers, stuck one high out of the middle to act as a fuse, then bound them tightly with electrical tape as one does, he says. (laughs) But that was not good enough. Nay, nay, we wrapped some bottle rockets and um M80s to the outside and marveled at our masterpiece. (laughs) Now to find a place for it to go boom. We decided that the grill in the backyard was perfect. (laughs) So we put the bomb on the grill grate, lit it, and ran like hell back inside to watch the fun. So big boom. And then fire (laughs) it was then that my heart dropped into my butt why because i realized that we had ignited the grease left on the grates now we have a raging grease fire but the real issue was i realized that the grill was a gas grill sitting on top of a propane tank holy crap on a cracker we rushed out managed to throw enough dirt on the grill slammed the lid shut which eventually snuffed out the fire later we had to explain to my uncle why there was dirt all over his grill you guys and ladies are great and i look forward to both podcasts each week keep doing what you do william thank you william that is that is quite a skinny dip and a perfect example of things you do at a young age that you think this is a great idea Nothing ever good comes from a project that starts with, so we have a surplus of fireworks. Right then and there, you think, just stop this story because it's not going to end well. No, not at all. Well, I'm glad they're okay. I'm sorry about his uncle's grill being turned into a pile of twisted steel wreckage, but... uh, (laughs) It's very Wile E. Coyote. So I think it's uh, your turn to entertain first with a story, J.J. Well, I don't don't know how entertaining it's going to be, but... uh, I got something for you. Well, I got my seatbelt on, so let it fly. All right. In March of 2010, a 43-year-old Romanian Romanian man named Nikolai Popovici had a very, very, very bad day. But let me back up. Nikolai was a man that lived uh, in a town in the in Constanta County. This is where he met his the love of his life, a beautiful young woman from his hometown, and they fell in love desperately fell in love and a whirlwind romance ensued how sweet and ultimately they married and settled down now nikolai he wasn't destitute but he was not what you would call a man of means he did his best the best that he could to provide for his wife and they were able to live fairly comfortably but certainly not extravagantly shortly after they were married his wife gave him the joyful news that they were expecting their first child. Now, obviously, they were very excited to welcome the new baby into the world. The child was born happy and healthy, and life was grand. Nice. There was a little bit more expense with the baby, but, it, sure. it, you know, that's the way it is, and it was totally worth it. It was a little bit of a strain financially, but uh, they, were, they were happy to have the child. That's sweet. And months go by. And then the wife came to him with the joyous news that another blessed infant was on the way. Again, oh boy. they were very happy. But concern is starting to set in to uh, Nikolai's mind about how he's going to be able to afford this. But his second child was born and life was, again, grand. And then a few months later, 
His wife comes to him again with joyous news. Oh boy. Their third child is on the way. Okay, cool. He's probably thinking, well, we've always managed to find a way to survive and pay the bills. What could be more wonderful than three beautiful, healthy children? (laughs) The answer is four. Oh, dear. For after just a few more months, his wife again approached him with the joyous news of a fourth child on the way. (sighs) Now, they love children, but this is getting to be a bit much. So they start talking, you know, maybe we should start taking better precautions. Um, So they did or so they thought. But it wasn't more than a few months later. His wife came to him with the joyous news that their fifth child was on the way. Oh, my goodness. Really? Now they're thinking we need to get serious about taking precautions. Sure, we've dabbled in it before. Perhaps we were using methods that were not uh, that reliable. But we really need to apply ourselves. Yes. Yeah. And since neither one of them wanted to go the abstinence route, they decided to explore other birth control options. So condoms seemed to be a good place to start. But he didn't want to go buy them. It was embarrassing. So his wife went. He sent his wife to go buy the condoms for him. Manly man thing to do. Now, I'm not sure why she selected a condom size much larger than her husband needed. Maybe it was because she didn't want to insult him or thought it would feed his ego. Or I, I don't know. But that's what she did. Wishful thinking. Wishful yeah. thinking. Yeah. But that's what she did. And because neither of them wanted to be seen buying condoms on a regular basis, she bought a huge supply of them. (laughs) Kind of picturing like a package of condoms the size of a large loaf of bread that you get at like Costco. A gross 12 dozen. 12 dozen of them. Anyway, sexy time rolls around and he goes to put one of them on and it's, of course, way too big. So now what's he going to do? His wife didn't save the receipt, and no one wants to take back condoms to the store and exchange them for a smaller size. (laughs) And you can't throw them out because they're expensive. So he decides after rummaging through his junk drawer, so to speak, um, the answer was super glue. (laughs) Oh, no. No. Yep. Stop it, please. Don't continue this story. Trigger warning. Uh, Super glue. Okay. Remember the old ads? You know, with super glue, with, with the construction. The guy with the hard yeah, hat. Yeah, and, and they glue him to yeah. a, like a, an overhead beam. A girder. Right. Yeah. I think this guy's story would have made for a much more interesting <laughs> ad. <laughs> anyway, he gets the super glue. Sexy time oh. is over. Oh. And of course, oh. that's when the trouble sets in. Obviously, the guy, mm. <laughs> he couldn't get the condom off. So, yeah. he went to the medical clinic in the village for help. It's interesting if I can if I can just pause you right here. Yeah. You're you find it embarrassing to go buy condoms, yeah. but you're perfectly okay to wander into a clinic and say, "Hey, I've got a condom super glued to my member." Yeah, well, I I'm assuming that it was a very embarrassing explanation as to why he was there, um, but they uh, they ushered him into a private room to assist freeing Willie. Um, <laughs> About 45 minutes go by and they're having no success. And finally, finally, they were able to deactivate the glue and they were able to remove it. Remove. And one of the nurses on duty said, quote, we barely managed to remove it in the end. She went on to say that the man even went as far as to say that he thought 
A condom could be used several times and that he wanted it stuck to his penis so he could use it again later. Kids, this is why sexual education is important. Yeah. While researching this story, I came across another similar story. This one didn't end so happily. Um, (laughs) The person also had decided to use super glue as part of their birth control regimen. But they omitted the uh, the whole condom thing. Now, I'm not going to go into a description here or uh, and I'm not going to go into the outcome. But if you Google super glue penis, I'm sure you'll find it. Um, my source information was the Sydney Morning Herald and news.com.au. Keep a high strength adhesive away from your soft danglies. That's my advice to you. Talk about swimming in the shallow. Whew, yeah. When Johann Rahl received the letter on Christmas Day, 1776, he put it away to read later. Maybe he thought it was a season's greeting and wanted to save it for the fireside. But what it actually was, was a warning, delivered to the Hessian colonel, letting him know that General George Washington was crossing the Delaware and would soon attack his forces. The next day, when Rawl lost the Battle of Trenton and died from two colonial Boxing Day musket balls, the letter was found, unopened in his vest pocket. As someone with 15,000 unread emails in his inbox, I feel like there's a lesson there. Oh well, this is The Constant, a history of getting things wrong. I'm Mark Chrysler. Every episode, we look at the bad ideas, mistakes, and accidents that misshaped our world. Find us at constantpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Have you ever wondered what really happened to Amelia Earhart or the lost colony of Roanoke? Do you ever find yourself scouring the internet for vicious Victorians and their murders by gaslight? Or perhaps you're just sick and tired of women being constantly misrepresented or plain lied about throughout history? If so, join me, Katie Charlwood, history harlot and reader of books on Who Did What Now? The history podcast that's not your history class part of the Area of Media Network. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Adios, au revoir, au revoir to zen, my friends. Bye-bye. I'll be seeing you. seen us on TV news, in newspapers and magazines, maybe even at your local city hall. We're people against everything, and we've been protesting everywhere for decades. We're not just against animal cruelty, we're against animals in general, because they can be dangerous, and sometimes they smell bad. We're against the pharmaceutical companies, because they make too much money. We're against all companies, because they make money too. We're against money, because it leads to socioeconomic barriers. In fact, we're against barriers of any kind, especially traffic barriers, because we should be able to drive anywhere we want. We're even against ourselves, because protests can be loud and annoying and block our cars as we're driving to another protest. If you'd like us to carry protest signs at your next event, just find us online and ask. But remember, we're against going online to contact people. We're even against you for listening to this commercial right now. 
People Against Everything is not affiliated with other organizations that protest. We're against them too. People Against Everything is not responsible for protesters who are poorly dressed. People Against Everything does not condone misspelled signs. We're People Against Everything. The email address is lifeguard at shallowendpodcast.com. This email might go down as maybe the the most detailed, longest one we've gotten yet, but it is it's so incredibly <laughs> head head slapping, forehead slapping stupid that I I actually had to read it a second time to make sure that I had read it properly and I did. <laughs> Can't wait. This comes to us from a listener named Michelle, and she says The subject line is trash bags are hard, which was one of the most intriguing subject lines we've gotten here at the shallow end. She says, hey there, I recently remembered this gem of a tale that my brother shared with me. I thought it was a good one to pass along. Our story takes place in the lovely Brainerd Lakes area in Minnesota, a location you may be familiar with. And she's right because Nan's uh, brother, my brother-in-law, Rick, lives in Cross Lake, Minnesota, which is about a half hour north of Brainerd. But I have been to this very region that, uh, that Michelle is describing. She says, my brother, Mike, is a chef there at a former restaurant he worked at. He noticed a peculiar issue with trash cans in the kitchen. Shortly after he started, he realized that the insides of the cans were extremely dirty. Yes, garbage cans aren't usually the cleanest things, but these were particularly bad. There was food caked inside to the point he felt it could be an issue come health inspection time. He assumed it was just because they were old and had maybe never been replaced, so he threw out all the dirty cans and ordered brand new replacements. Within a week or so of having the new trash cans, Mike once again notices they seem to be getting exceptionally dirty. Now, this seemed odd to him because the kitchen used these large commercial grade trash bags inside the cans. You might expect some leakage, but the vast majority of the food waste and garbage would be in the bag, not at the bottom of the can. He made a metal note to keep an eye on it, moves on with the rest of his day. Fast forward another couple of weeks. Chef Mike finds himself once again having to order brand new trash cans for the kitchen. By now, he's completely puzzled and getting annoyed. Never before in any other restaurant at which he had worked had he had to replace kitchen trash cans twice in the span of a month. It's not as if the trash can cost was making or breaking the restaurant, but it seemed like a stupid thing to have to deal with. How hard could it be? You put a trash bag in the can, you throw the trash in the bag, you take the bag out to the dumpster when full. Following what he thought to be the simple process should result in a relatively clean trash can interior and not involve replacing trash cans on a bi-monthly basis. He starts to ask around the restaurant and inquired with other employees about the trash cans and if they had to replace them prior to him starting there as head chef. And apparently this was a longer-term problem. A lot of employees said, yeah, yeah, we, we seem to have a particular issue with food buildup in the cans and we have to replace them all the time, but we can't figure out why. So it seemed that... It, Mike thought it was really odd, and and these answers varied from a shoulder shrug to a, well, now that you mention it, yeah. It just struck Mike as really bizarre. So one evening, he's closing up the restaurant, and he needs to take the trash out to the dumpster. He ties up the top of the trash bag, pulls it out of the can. The bag comes right out of the can, and all the food and the garbage stayed there in the can. He's holding an empty bag with the bottom missing. Okay. He thought perhaps he had solved the mystery. Maybe the bags were cheap. They were breaking in the bottom. 
He double-checks the bag supply. They seem to be of good quality. He had experience with. So he chalked up the bag breaking to be bad luck. He cleans up the mess, replaced the bag in the can, called it a night, and once again made a note to keep an eye on the situation and see if this was actually an issue with these bags. A short time later, Mike notices an employee we'll call Dave (laughs) carrying out his nightly kitchen cleanup duties. Dave appears to be struggling with the trash cans and bags because all the bags are breaking in quotes, creating quite a mess. They all seem to have the bottom bust open. It's once Dave goes to replace the bags in those cans that the mystery is solved. As Mike watches, Dave proceeds to pull out a brand new trash bag from the box and then immediately reaches for his knife to open it. Oh. Mike stops him and asks what he's doing, and Dave responds with, Well, these dang bags are sealed. You have to cut them open at the top if you want to put them in the can. Oh, no. It seems our friend Dave, who was a grown man of about 35 to 40 years of age, was unaware of how a trash bag works. Yes, one end is sealed. That's the end you put in the bottom of the can to catch the trash. The top is pre-opened. No assembly or (laughs) knife required. Love the show. It keeps me laughing during all my work travels. Take care and don't be like Dave, (laughs) Michelle. According to the (laughs) Pinellas County court records, Dave was sentenced to 30 months in jail for being stupid. (laughs) Wow. Boy, I got to say, I didn't I didn't see that coming. And that's why I had to read it twice, because I thought there's got to be a mistake here. You wouldn't actually have a guy in in your late 30s who would still not be aware of how a trash bag works. Wow. Yeah. Lifeguard at shallowendpodcast.com. Be like Michelle and send in a great story. Thank you, Michelle. You're in the shallow end with Schnapply and Toth. So, Lindsay, what do you got? Right. You got? You got a story? I'm hoping you got a story. You got a story for me? I got a story, a story. and this is absolutely perfect because not only are we in the midst of spring break, but you, my dear friend, are in Florida. And this involves Clearwater, Florida and spring break and... A raft of shallow end decisions. Yeah, clear channel. Uh, clear channel. Hmm. <laughs> clear water during spring break is a dangerous place to be, for sure. I didn't realize that until I started watching, in, in researching the story, watching all these police body cam <laughs> videos of what they have to deal with, with l- literally hundreds, if not sometimes it looks like thousands of kids, most of whom are drunk off their butts and belligerent, and it's it's just making stupid decision after yeah. after stupid decision. So I don't have to tell you what spring break can be like in Florida. You mix college age kids with sun and testosterone and lots of alcohol, and as Don Henley once sang, "Somebody's going to emergency. Somebody's going to jail." So this takes place. <laughs> Uh, exactly uh, as as we go to press two years ago um, yesterday. Wow. This is March of 2021. It's a large crowd of young adults, and they are in full spring break um, hysteria. It's late afternoon. It's like 6.30 p.m. But as you know, that far south, even in the spring, you still got plenty of plenty of sunshine. So police are in the area and they get a call about a fight 
that breaks out between two kids. And the two kids are surrounded by a huge crowd that's getting rowdier and rowdier watching the fight take place. And as, you know, kids this age are want to do cheering, you know, picking, picking one of the, one of the people cheering for the other. Taking bets. Well, taking bets, taking sides. One of these kids is named Dominic Glass and the other kid is named Ian Combs. Dominic is 18. Ian is 17. Police officers get there and Dominic and Ian are holding each other in headlocks and they won't stop fighting despite the officer's yelling at them, you know, knock it off, let each other go. And and you can see this on their on their body cameras. I mean, they, you know, they're they're documenting everything. So as some of the cops are trying to pull Dominic and Ian apart, other cops are just trying to get people to leave the area, mm-hmm. give them space, right. leave the beach, leave the beach. And of course, these kids are drunk and and know that they're outnumbering the police. And so they start taunting the cops, you know, make us leave. We were here first. Oh, boy. It gets so bad. The police actually call for more backup. And now you've got more cops arriving and they're trying now to break this mob into smaller groups to de-escalate the tension. But it doesn't work. Oh, no. And finally, the 18 year old Dominic Glass gets arrested and the other kid does, too. And they put him in separate cars now dominic if you watch this this video is one one of those kids that loves to call cops bro oh okay okay what are you doing bro i didn't do anything bro leave me alone bro (laughs) and you know bloodshot eyes and and swim trunks you know no shoes so he gets tossed into the SUV and is just completely upset that he that somebody has dared to arrest him and now he has to sit in the back of a police cruiser. They shut the door. The cop walks around to get into the car to drive Dominic away, presumably for processing, you know, his arrest or, or maybe he was just going to give him a citation and then let him go, but Here's shallow end moment number one. Oh, there are several. Oh, there are several, JG, in this one. We're swimming in shallow end moments. Mm. After about 20 seconds, and you can see this on a separate piece, actually two separate pieces of video, a guy just walks over to the SUV where Dominic has been sitting for about 20 seconds and just casually reaches out and opens the door to the SUV Uh and then moves back toward the crowd and you can actually hear someone else in the crowd yell he's coming out and right there huge mistake bro because what this second guy's doing is actually helping to facilitate an escape of a prison yeah 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 it may not seem like that through your drunken beer goggle haze <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Wearing your swim shorts, yeah. Yeah, and your your sunburned shoulders and sand in your hair. And sure, it might be all sexy, but (laughs) it's not very, very smart. So now what had been just a misdemeanor, which is, you know, fighting on the beach, this guy has actually now committed a felony, which is, as you know, a much more serious crime. Well, Dominic, 
being the free spirit that he is, the arrestee in the back of the car, has already proven himself at making some less than stellar decisions. But being a young guy in pretty decent shape, he sees that open door and decides, yeah, I got this. (laughs) I'm going to run to freedom. So sure enough, he bolts from the back of the SUV and breaks into a dead sprint (laughs) wearing just his swim trunks and no shoes. And yes, his hands are still cuffed behind his back with a nice shiny pair of bracelets. But hey, for as long as he can keep moving, he is free. He sprints off. And I got to say, I I didn't time it, but if you... If you timed this the way uh, football teams time, you know, 40-yard sprints, yeah. this kid maybe could have could have gone on to something in professional ball because he's he is just flying down the beach away from this from this car. So it was a surreal enough scene as it is, but now you've got Dominic running with swim trunks and sunburned shoulders and sand in his hair, his hands cuffed behind <laughs> his back. Now you've got a huge group of other students, many drunk, many uh, probably sober, but they're all holding up their phones and they're running along with him and screaming and laughing and whooping it up. They're actually, you can tell, amazed that Dominic has pulled this off. So we're now in full goat rodeo mode (laughs) and Dominic has made it probably about a hundred yards when out of almost like something out of a movie, another police officer seemingly from out of nowhere is, is standing behind some beach chairs that are sort of stacked up on the beach. And he comes out from around those chairs, maybe 10 yards from Dominic, and he's got his weapon drawn. He's Oof. pointing his, his pistol at Dominic. And this is the first smart decision <laughs> Dominic made that day. Dominic very wisely stops in his tracks and just sort of stares at the cop like, uh, I suppose you want to talk? <laughs> and the cop grabs him by the arm and takes him off to his car. And just then, the cop from whose SUV Dominic had bolted drives up and they arrest Dominic a second time. And this time it's for fleeing, for, for, for escape. So not only had he, you know, gotten the first misdemeanor for fighting but now he is looking at a felony of escaping as is the guy who opened that door we've now got two people on the beach who've committed felonies in in rather a short period of time too i might add yeah like like within i don't know 90 seconds 60 seconds 90 seconds so he uh they drag glass dominic glass uh, away he falls into the sand and and from the video you can't even tell if, if he's really lost his balance or is now just actively trying to resist arrest which is a third crime a second misdemeanor so uh he ends up spending the day behind bars he posts a cash bond he's released and the pinellas county court records show that a public defender was assigned to represent Dominic, but he faced um, resisting an officer without violence. That's the first degree misdemeanor. Disorderly conduct is 
a second degree misdemeanor, and then escape is a second degree felony. So he's now looking actually at three charges. The judge orders Dominic to stay away from Clearwater Beach for the rest of spring break. And why he didn't say for the rest of your life (laughs) is beyond me. (laughs) Stay away from Clearwater Beach for the rest of spring break. That shows how serious I am as a judge. Now go to your room. Now go to your room and don't let me see your face again. Well, here comes another shallow end moment because the video of that guy who opened the car door that allowed Dominic to go full chariots of fire (laughs) on the beach, that video of him opening the door and stepping back goes viral on TikTok. And 24 hours later, it's gotten like hundreds of thousands of views. It has just exploded. Well, what do you suppose happens? A TikTok viewer posts a comment and says, quote, I opened that door, exclamation mark, L-O-L. No. Yes. Yes. So less than 24 hours later, the police have tracked down this guy who makes the comment and they arrest him. 18-year-old Adam Assad. They book him into jail. He's booked on felony aiding prisoner escape and misdemeanor resisting an officer without violence. Now, what's interesting, when you go back and look at this video before Adam posted that asinine thing 24 hours later about, hey, that was Uh me. I'm the one who who committed the felony. You can see police going around asking people who opened the door, who opened the door. And if you look very closely, you can see Adam standing in the background, kind of rubbing his head like, oh, I don't know, man. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. <laughs> but he couldn't wait to get home a day later and and boast about the fact that he's the oh, one man. that opened the door. Yeah, it's been a day. Statute of limitations has expired by now, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. So he had been booked on felony aiding prisoner escape misdemeanor resisting an officer without violence about a year later for whatever reason the court dismissed that case Hmm. against adam after he underwent six months of what they called pre-trial intervention which i'm guessing was sort of a uh let's let's meet and talk about your uh, decisions for the next few months and see if you might want to avoid jail by pledging to make smarter decisions Our beach runner, Dominic, was sentenced just for resisting officer without violence. But for some reason, the judge decided not to convict Hmm. him. Interesting. You know, so many of our shallow end stories include the phrase, according to the Pinellas County Sheriff's Department. (laughs) (laughs) Have you noticed that? I hadn't until you mentioned it. I thought you were going to say according to court records, but this is much more entertaining. According to Pinellas County court records. Yeah, Mm. that's a special kind of stupid. I got this from WFLA TV, heavy.com, Code Blue Cam and the Tampa Free Press. Nice. Wow. Yeah, that's a that's a crazy place. Well, anytime. But but spring break, forget it. It's you can't even get across the uh, Courtney Campbell Causeway to the beach during spring break that's crazy. It's, it's insane over there lifeguard at shallowendpodcast.com that's where you can get a hold of us at we love hearing your stories uh, whether they're written or recorded we prefer them when you we hear them in your own voice but we just love hearing them and we always appreciate the story suggestions because mm. if you're not gonna take the time to record it it 
At least one of us can do less work. That's the least you can do for us, really. Lifeguard at shallowendpodcast.com. We look forward to seeing you next time. Please. Whether you're on spring break or not. Please make good choices. Your life might depend on. So concludes another episode of The Shallow End with Schnebly and Toff. We thank you for listening. Oh, be a dear, would you? Please subscribe to this podcast. Give these boys a five-star rating and think of something nice to say. Even if you have to make something up. And visit us online at shallowendpodcast.com. Okay, gotta go.